Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. We're studying James 5, where the people are suffering terrible injustice, and James is encouraging them to hang on because help is on the way. James 5, 7. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See, the farmer waits for the valuable crop of the land, being patient until he receives the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient. Strengthen your hearts, because the Lord's coming is near. Be patient until the Lord's coming? How is that encouraging? I mean, I, I could be dead before the second coming happens. It seems so far off. Well, James helps us with that by pointing us to the farmer. Farmers are a great example of patience because while other people get a paycheck every week or two, farmers have to wait a whole season for their payday. And how do farmers stay motivated even though it's such a long wait? By understanding how lucrative that payday will be, James says, the valuable crop. We can hold on until the second coming if we spend enough time considering how amazing that day will be. And that's where we left off last time. Today we'll pick it up with James' next point. And this one has to do with one of the attributes of God. The farmer trusts in the faithfulness of God. Not only does he look to the value of the harvest, but he trusts in the faithfulness of God. Look what it says. See, the farmer waits for the valuable crop of the land, being patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. Now, these rains, the early uh, rains came in October, uh, late October, early November. And the, the reason those were, that's before they planted. Here's, here's the reason that was important. In that part of the world, over the summer, the ground just becomes rock hard. And they don't have modern machinery to dig that up so that they can plant the seeds. So they have to have these early rains in order to soften up the grounds just so they can plant the seeds. So if those early rains were delayed, the longer they're delayed, the, the more diminished the chances are of getting a decent crop. And if they don't come, there's no crop. You can't, there's not going to be anything. So the early rains would come, they'd plant the crop, then it would rain all winter, and then, but, the, but the most crucial thing would be what they call the late rains, which came in uh, April and into May. And those were critical because that's right when the, the, the crop is maturing, and those rains, combined with the warmer temperatures uh, after the winter, uh, were, were, were crucial for the maturing of the crop. So the longer those late rains went, the greater the yield of the crop. So, <clears throat> so James says... He waits, he's patient for the early and the late rains. He actually doesn't even say, the emphasis is on the early and the late. The word rain isn't even there in the Greek, it's just implied. Why is James emphasizing early and late? The reason he's emphasizing that is because that's language that comes from the Old Testament. Um, after God rescued his people from bondage in Egypt, he pulled them out of Egypt and he brought them to this glorious land of milk and honey uh, and just before they enter the land, here's what God told them. Deuteronomy 11.10. The land you are entering to take over is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come, where you irrigated it by foot as in a vegetable garden. But the land you're crossing the Jordan to take possession of is a, a land of mountains and valleys that drinks rain from he heaven, and it is a land that the Lord your God cares for. 
The eyes of the Lord your God are continually on it from the beginning of the year to the end. So if you faithfully obey the commands that I am giving you today to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, then I will send rain on your land in a season, both early and late rains, so that you may gather in your grain and new wine and oil. So, so the point of all that is down in Egypt you had to manually water your crops you had to get it from the Nile and manually get it over the crops but not in the promised land this is a place where the Lord your God cares for the land you won't have to worry about irrigation because God is faithfully going to just send the early rains and, and the late rains so early and late rains are mentioned there and if you look up that phrase every single time in the Old Testament where you see early and late rains it's, a refer- it's in a context talking about the faithfulness of God. God will take care of you. God will take care of you. He'll send the early and the late. And so by mentioning that phrase, what James is doing, he's calling to mind a phrase that the, those people would have known from the Old Testament that pointed to the faithfulness of God to provide, to follow through on his promise. The patience of the farmer is the kind of patience that bases his entire livelihood and well-being and survival on the faithfulness of God to do what he promised. I mean, who, who trusts God more than a farmer? What does a farmer do? He takes, he, he takes his, whole, his whole savings, puts it into seed, and throws it in the dirt and covers it up and then waits for God to do his thing. That's trusting God, Right? One of, the, one of the best things you can ever do with the creation is to use it to teach yourself about the faithfulness of God. Because you can see it everywhere, right? When someone is unfaithful or unreliable, uh, uh, it's hard to live with that person. That's a hardship in your life. One of the things that's so wonderful about faithfulness, if you want to understand what's great, if you want to train your heart to love God's faithfulness, watch what it's like when people are unfaithful to you, when people are unreliable. You can't count on them. They don't get the job done. You have kids, you tell your kids, go clean your room, and then you go up and, uh, an hour later and you open, and you know you're opening the door, you're, like, you're thinking like, there's one chance in a hundred that this room is actually going to be clean. Right? Unreliable. You ever worked with someone like that? You have an employee or a fellow worker, a co-worker, and you give them an assignment and there's, a, there's like a 50-50 chance it's going to get done. That's hard. It's hard to live that way. But what's God like? What are the odds? If you got up tomorrow morning early and you faced out to the east, what are the odds that the sun will come up again? What are the chances that the moon next month is going to malfunction and pull the tides the wrong direction? When was the last time you experienced rolling blackouts on gravity? You know, where the power, it's just the power of gravity is just not there because of high demand. You know, if a, if a wire doesn't have electricity in it and you call an electrician, he'll tell you either it's not hooked up to the power or it's not grounded or there's a break in the wire. Those are the only possibilities. He doesn't ever say, well, you know, maybe, maybe the, the, the uh, properties of electricity are just having a bad day. You know, it's just not working. Maybe the laws of physics are corrupted. They need to be rebooted or something. That doesn't happen. See, the creation is such a marvelous, constant illustration of the faithfulness of God and the reliability of God. And the farmer understands that. And he bases his whole livelihood on it. The farmers are able to put their hope in a delayed paycheck because they trust in the faithfulness of God. So, if you want to be patient like a farmer, the next time you have a crisis in your life, next time you have some suffering, 
do this. Spend some time thinking about what God is like. Think about his faithfulness. Just think about what his character. What is he like? Open up your Bible. Read on, the, read on the pages of Scripture what he's like and spend a lot of time thinking about that and then ask yourself, a God who's like that? What would he do in a, case, in a situation like this? What would I do? I mean, I'm a father. What would I do if, 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 if my kids are in some horrible crisis and I have the power to help them? What would I do? Man, I'm going to step in. I'm going to take care of it at the right time. You just think about God's power. You think about his faithfulness. You think about his, his strength. You think about his wisdom. You think about his love and his tender mercies and his compassion. Just think about what he's like. And then you just think, well, what would a God like that do in a case like this? And you know he's going to step in. You know he's going to take care of the problem. Being patient, and that's when your anxiety will go away. That's when your the angst in your heart and the worry and the fretting, and it'll go away. When you think about what he's like. Being patient like a farmer means to be so confident in the second coming and the rewards that he's promised that we just stop expecting payday to be right now. We stop expecting everything to even out now. We don't expect our problems to be resolved today. We realize it's only Wednesday morning. It's not payday. And yet we still remain the hardest workers in the world because we've got our eye on the most precious reward. We're working for something. We're working towards something. We're hoping for something, waiting for something that's far beyond anything anybody in this world is doing. And we're fully confident in the faithfulness of the God who promised that reward. Now, if you can get something resolved prior to that, great. Knock yourself. Do it. Do it. That's good as long as you can do it without violating any biblical principles. But if you've got a relationship problem, use biblical... I mean, there's a lot of kinds of instruction in Scripture about how to solve problems here and now in this life within the bounds of God's Word. So as much as you can do that, do it. Do it. You're not guilty of impatience because you're in a hurry to get a problem resolved in the best way that you can biblically. Now, but when the solution to that problem is outside of your control... Or it would require you to violate a biblical principle in order to put it in place. That's when you need to get into farmer mode and be patient and wait for God to bring the early and the late rains. Now, one more observation about that. The farmer was patient, waiting for the early and the late rains. He was patient all the way until harvest. Um, because he understood that it was those very rains that were going to bring about the thing that he's waiting for. He doesn't try to harvest before the late rains because it's the late rains that bring about the harvest. See, here's the point of that. It's not just that there was a delay. It was the things taking place during the delay that brought about the thing that he's waiting for. The farmer doesn't just say, well, 12 months. As soon as 12 months is up, boom, I got my harvest. He understands that it's the things that happen during those 12 months, those rains, those early and late rains, that bring about the paycheck. And the application is this. We're not just waiting for the second coming. We're waiting for God to do his work. See, you're all upset about problems that are going on in your life. And you might be forgetting to realize that, that when you pray for relief, when you pray for resolution to those problems 
And God's answer is, wait? You know those times when you pray, God, please fix this. And he says, my answer is, wait? That wait, that's not delay for the sake of delay. It's not meaningless, purposeless delay. It's God accomplishing his work and accomplishing that work through the very things that are the cause of the problem. He's, 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 the, the things that are happening during the delay are the things that are going to bring about the resolution to the problem. So, so it's not, actually the resolution isn't even being delayed, it's in progress. See? The things that bother us and distress us so much are the, the very things that God is, is using to bring about the resolution to those problems. That's 2 Corinthians 4.17. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an, an eter, eternal glory that far outweighs them all. What's achieving this glory? What does it say is achieving the glory? The troubles. The troubles are achieving the glory. That's the rain. That's the early and the late rain. The troubles. Did you catch that part about using the failures of people to learn how to love the faithfulness of God? That's a great principle for increasing your love for many of God's attributes. Remember, the most important thing in life is loving God, and your love for God increases only when you enjoy His attributes more. But so often, the attributes of God can become an abstraction, just a list of facts about God. You read about how God is tender-hearted or faithful or just or that he listens and cares, but it doesn't spark any warmth in your heart toward God. You don't feel any special delight in him. It doesn't touch your affections. So how do you go from that to really taking emotional delight in God's attributes? Well, one of the best ways is to feel how painful it is when those attributes are missing. You might read in a theology book that God is faithful and yawn, but a woman who just found out her husband is having an affair, that woman in that moment knows better than anyone what a precious thing faithfulness is, right? And when someone you love lies to you, the pain of that enables you to appreciate God's truthfulness. The great thing about living with sinful people who hurt us is that it enables us to feel the sting of what it's like when God's attributes are missing. And if we have the presence of mind to look at it that way, nothing can do more to increase your appreciation of that attribute of God that's missing in the person who hurt you. So try this. Spend the next 24 hours enjoying the faithfulness of God. Take some time right now to think of how painful it can be when people are unreliable. Doing that will help your heart really warm up to what a wonderful thing it is to be able to rely on someone who is utterly faithful. Then, just go through your day today looking for every illustration of God's faithfulness you can spot. The steadiness of the ground under your feet. The fact that a bird can fly because God maintains the laws of aerodynamics in a reliable way. The fact that you can predict what each kind of food you eat is going to taste like. You could literally spend every moment finding more and more expressions of God's faithfulness. And don't just notice them. Enjoy them. Enjoy God. Enjoy being the child of such a faithful God. Let's pray. I sing joyfully to you, Lord. 
I shout for joy because your word is right and true. You're faithful in all you do. You love righteousness and justice. The earth is full of your unfailing love. By the word of your lips, the heavens were made. Their starry host by the breath of your mouth. You gather the waters of the sea into jars. You put the deep into storehouses. May all the earth fear you. Let all the people of the world revere you. For you spoke and it came to be. You commanded and it stood firm. You foil the plans of the nations. You thwart the purposes of the peoples. But your plans stand firm forever. The purposes of your heart through all generations. From heaven you look down and see all mankind. From your dwelling place you watch all who live on earth. You who form the hearts of all who considers everything they do. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite its great strength, it cannot save. But your eyes are on those who fear you, on those whose hope is in your unfailing love to deliver them from death. I wait in hope for you, O Lord. You are my help and my shield. In you my heart rejoices, for I trust in your holy name. May your unfailing love rest upon me, O Lord, even as I put my hope in you. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of James. 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. And if you like listening on your phone, get our free mobile app. Install the Church One app from the Play Store and select Food for Your Soul. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.